introduce the podcast while Okay. I go. Hey, everyone. Welcome John, to I'm going to go get a drink of yep. water. You introduce the podcast. You're a pro. You can do this. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Election Profit Makers here. John Kimball. David is out uh, getting a drink of water because he always wants to be moist. Doesn't like to be dry and cracked. I wish we had started recording earlier because David was talking about his concept of hell. And he thinks that hell should not be a place that's really hot. It should be a place that's really windy, a hot wind, a hot, uncomfortable wind. And it's made me realize that maybe David has come around to my idea that wind is bad. Hey, David. What's going on, John? Hi, everybody. It's me. Kid Midas, the original wave rider. Hey, there's a indictment news. Is that what you've been talking about, the indictment? No, I've been talking oh. about wind. Wind, oh, yeah. hot wind. Talking about your trip uh, driving across the country. That's correct. And uh, you said that you had discovered that wind is an annoyance. I had a theological insight upon my cross-country trip, which has, thank you very much, now concluded with my arrival back in Los Angeles. I was driving through the American Southwest during a historically hot summer. I deliberately avoided Phoenix because I heard that their sidewalks would give you first degree burns if you fell upon them. But I did spend time in New Mexico and Oklahoma, actually. New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas, California, and Arizona. And one thing I've realized is that the Catholic Church and Christianity in general has really screwed up when it comes to the popular depictions of hell, which is the realm of the afterlife that is overseen by Satan, which is where unbelievers and sinners go to spend all of eternity. Because I always thought of hell as just kind of like a pit with some flames coming out of the ground and people standing around wailing and stuff. And that's the way it's presented in cartoons and popular imagery. And I always thought I could probably handle that. I just won't move around a lot, so I won't get too hot. But if hell is windy and there's like hot winds constantly battering your face, that would be unbearable after like 30 seconds, let alone all of eternity. Because when I was driving through the desert and my little car thermometer would say outside, it's 109 degrees. And I would like roll down the window to just tell myself, like, I just got to know what that feels like. 109 <laughs> right. degrees just bashing me in the face. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's horrible. It's one thing to just stand still in dead you know, unmoving 109 degree air that can actually feel kind of cool and pleasant. I like feelings like that. But when it's bashing you and like stinging your eyes, there's like dust and grit in it. Oh, my God. I was in Palm Springs. I went to go see Oppenheimer in Palm Springs. I walked out at night. It was like 105 degrees and there was like a dust storm and there were forest fires going. I felt like I was inside that fucking bomb. <laughs> so my plea to the churches of the world is if you want to get these people back in these pews and get butts in pews, as they say, mm. you've got to emphasize hell needs like a rebrand. You've got to emphasize it's not just hot, guys. It's windy. You need to re you need to remember that hell is not just hot. It's also really, really windy. And you're going to get battered and bashed by hot, gritty wind for all of eternity. And then those churches will be filled because that would be so unpleasant. And wind sucks. Wind is yeah. the worst. I'm totally on your side now. Yeah. So that was uh the that's the result of my cross country trip. Hell needs a rebrand. They should they should do what Twitter what Twitter did when Twitter became X. 
that's what they should do with hell. They should call it wi- the windy. The hmm, let me think on this. The wind. The windy. Hmm. Just call it the eternal winds of oh the winds of hellfire. That sounds tough as shit. Yeah. No. That do you want to suffer the eternal winds of hellfire? That's good. No. So no one would want to. Priests but that would bring me. people to church. Yeah, because they'd be so scared. It's like yeah, because they want to stay away from church. it. Because church, the thing is, here's how I keep you out of that. Okay, and here's how it sounds down in this windy hell. It sounds like this. A slide whistle always going down lower and lower. It's so depressing and it breaks your spirit because it's so ominous and pessimistic. Imagine that. And you're getting battered by like 200 degree winds. It'd be horrible. Now that's the end of my little story. So John, what do you have to say for yourself? On the weather front, things are great. We finally gotten the dew point is finally below 60 here in North Carolina. It's got to be the first time in two months that that has happened. And uh, it's good. I love it. People always talk about August. Ah, August is the hottest month. It's not. August is when you start to have relief. August is when you actually, is the first time that you start having some nights that are cooler. Yeah, there may be some days in August where it gets to 100 degrees again. But August is when you have relief. Same with February. People always say, oh, February. It is the coldest month. It's not. It's January. You start to have relief in February. In North Carolina. The coldest month in Los Angeles, I think, is actually October. So for us, August is doesn't the have coldest? the resonance. I mean, the hottest. I beg oh. your pardon. The hottest. I could be misremembering, but I think that's true. I don't think August in LA means what it means in North Carolina. That is crazy. I'm telling you, man, LA is really fucked up. There's a lot of fucked up crazy shit that happens out here. You know, we have this grocery store called Erewhon. Oh my God. I got some bad news for you. The hottest month in Los Angeles is August. That can't be true. It's October. Someone told me that. Oh, I know. People say all kinds of stuff. Fuck me. I bet everyone's not even expensive. I bet people have just been lying to me ever since I set foot in this godforsaken secular paradise. Don't these people know that the winds of hellfire await them if they continue to make these scandalous movies? Speaking of scandalous movies, John, I heard that you went to go see this movie called Barbie. And then that's when you heard about the... uh, the Jack Smith, Donald Trump indictment. Can you paint a picture for me of that? Because that feels like a peak summer 2023 moment. Yeah, that was a bit strange coming out of Barbie. It was it. I really enjoyed it. And we dressed up. I wore a pink shirt. You're kidding. Are you serious? I, no. And I wore a oh. pink ring. No, I did. And I wait, actually. Are you, wait, are you doing a bit? No, I'm not doing a bit. No, because all the, the kids, Jennifer wanted, got the, the you kids to wanted to do this. No, no, oh, it, was, okay. the kid, it was the, the kids. kids. So they okay, wanted to to dress up. So they all dressed up, and I was I didn't want to be the the one who wasn't dressed up. So uh, I, I wore sort of a, a light pink shirt, and I had a plastic pink ring that it, I don't know where it came from. I've been sitting in my car for months, so I said I'm going to wear this. And then I actually went on the internet and ordered some pink sunglasses for everybody. I think it was like a pack of 24 for like wow. $12, but they didn't arrive in time. So can you post a photo of you guys to our Discord, their Patreon Discord under the Fit Check channel where people post sure. their most fashionable fits? Because sure, I would love I'll to see it. this insane fit. Yeah, it's not a great picture of me because I had to take it myself, you know, but it's they all look great. And you do kind of look like Ken. You have a kind of Ken vibe, an all-American vibe. You think? Little, like Ken, right? Yeah, don't I you don't think? Know. I don't know. Yeah. 
But uh, I loved it. Uh, it was entertaining and there was a message of empowerment for women, but also it was sort of discouraging for women and just sort of explained that the it's still a man's world. And uh, I guess I can see why the conservatives are so upset about it. But you liked it. Yeah, I did. I did. It was a little bit, I think it was 15 minutes too long. Hmm. As I mentioned, I was in Palm Springs and I did see Oppenheimer. And then the next night I was like, I really should see Barbie as long as I'm here in Palm. Like seeing Barbie in Palm Springs feels kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. But there were two reasons I didn't. One was that I was dealing with this incredibly inhospitable, ugly environment. I'm talking weather wise and, and air quality wise. The other was that the theater, they have a regal in Palm Springs, like a multiplex. That's where I saw Oppenheimer. Boy, that movie didn't didn't take itself very seriously at all with its <laughs> constant, constant portentous soundtracks. Like, it's like what other movie? What other movie do they detonate a nuclear bomb? And you're like, finally, I can have a moment's peace. I can hear myself think. There's no violins playing all the time. Anyway, what did you want? What did you want in terms of music? You wanted some slide whistles. I just didn't want music constantly. Con- that movie is constantly announcing how serious it is. Okay. It never right. stops. You know what I mean? Like the no, huffing and puffing of that. Well, it was fine. It was a six out of 10. I don't, I think people are going, cr- I think people got so hyped. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You wanted hot takes. Here come the hot takes. Here come the winds of hellfire straight from the mouth of the devil himself. Kid Midas. That movie is totally passable. Christopher Nolan is the Christopher Nolan. He's made one. He's made two really, really good movies. He made Dunkirk, that movie about the Dunkirk um, mm-hmm. rescue mission. That's a total masterpiece. Where for once, all his tricks and editing things and timelines, like they actually serve the movie and they actually make you think about that event in a different way. Total masterpiece. And then he, ma- I think he made the Prestige. There were two magician movies that came out, and one of them has David Bowie and and um, uh, Hugh Jackman. And it's like uh, this guy's doing all these death-defying stunts and there's a rival magician. And that's great. And if that's Christopher Nolan, then he's made two good movies. Oppenheimer was totally fine. People are saying – people are like acting like it's like the greatest – whatever. I don't even want to talk. It's not even – I have nothing – I can't really articulate why I was underwhelmed. But I will say one thing is the reason I didn't see Barbie in Palm Springs is because the theater's AC fucking sucked. When you go to see a movie in the summer – yeah. In the desert, you want that AC to be making your nipples so hard. You want it to be so cold. Right. And it was like, maybe it's because the temperature outside was just so extreme. They just couldn't, couldn't, um, yeah, they couldn't beat it back it. with the AC. Like they just didn't have enough yeah, power. But that's which, what movies are. That's what the theaters are famous for, for the air conditioning. Yeah. You got to have that. Yeah. Right. Cause I was also like, if this AC is cold enough, I'll see Mission Impossible too. Fuck it. I'll go see everything they got. Because I can't sit out by the pool because I'll get dust in my eyes. I'm trying to read this fucking John le Carre novel by the pool. That's what I've been fantasizing, fantasizing about for weeks. Couldn't sit out there. It was too hot. Anyway, so you went to go see Barbie and you liked it and you got all dressed up and then you came out and what did you find out news-wise? Well, first of all, I just want to say that Barbie, I went in thinking I was going to be disappointed because there had been so much hype. And I I would say that, yeah, it. I would say it lived up to the hype. You know, people are really? saying it's a seven or an eight or whatever. I think oh, it was a great movie. Yeah, I thought it was good. I think often when there's a bunch of hype like Oppenheimer, I walk in and then I, I walk out disappointed. Yeah, man. You walk out and you're like more like Sloppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, 
Why didn't I think of that in the movie theater? What about Floppenheimer? But it's not really Floppenheimer. But it didn't flop. It did really well. They both no, really helped each other. It did. Right? But this Mission is Impossible a bi- this is the kind of, of bipartisan consensus reaching across the aisle. The Barbies working with the Oppenheimers to create like a world historical Hollywood opening weekend and, and saving the movie industry. This is why we need to support Andrew Yang and Robert F. Kennedy joining uh, joining Americans of all different backgrounds to come to to come make common sense solutions to these inexorable problems. I would just about Barbie, I would say there were a number of places where I wanted people to laugh and they didn't laugh. And I don't know if it was because it was afternoon, people weren't as fired up or that they didn't get the jokes. Uh, I thought the beginning was sort of an homage to Kubrick and 2001 Space Odyssey, where the where the the kids, they're like smashing their Barbies like the like, like the monkeys are smashing with the bones. Oh, they and did a little they, th- uh, like. A, yeah, I see, yeah, that was great. And then and then they're, you know, spoiler alert if it, for people who haven't seen it. There was one line in the end where the. There's about to be a big battle between these Kens on the beach and uh, a Ryan Gosling who plays Ken. There's a number of Kens in there says, I'll see you on the Malibu beach, which is a, a line that's in Saving Private Ryan that uh, Tom uh, Hanks says. I'll see you on the beach. Are there a lot of cultural references? No, in there weren't, cult- but there, okay. were a, there, were a few, there were a few and I, I, I enjoyed them. So. And is, it, does, is the point of the movie that um, – She's a doll, and then she realizes she ad- is it like that movie I saw, Don't Worry, Darling, where it's this woman living in what you think is a paradise, and then she realizes that it's not of her own volition, and that and then she escapes and goes on a. Is it like that? Yeah, she goes to the real world, the real world being L.A. There's a lot of jokes there, and discovers that it's 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 a man's world, and that being a woman is a lot more complicated uh, than she realized. Mm, okay. And then she right. comes back, and then she's she's not sure that she wants to be Barbie or at least the stereotypical Barbie that we're, we're all, um, there are levels to it. So it's like, don't worry, darling. Well, I haven't seen that. So, well, the, that's the, that's actually the really the ridge between Barbie and Oppenheimer because Florence Pugh is the star of that movie. Don't worry, darling. And in Oppenheimer, she plays one of Oppenheimer's communist love interests. Mm. So there's a bridge right there. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Here's what I would say to everybody. If you want to support Hollywood this this summer, and you, but you don't have time to see Oppenheimer and Barbie, instead of choosing between those two films, just go see Don't Worry Darling, because it's got elements of both movies in it. It's got some of the themes of Barbie and some of the actors from Oppenheimer. So what's not to like? Don't Worry Darling. I bet you can stream it. I don't know. Okay. All right. So I came out of the theater, and then immediately my phone started buzzing, and there was the indictment moving over the wires. As they say, as they would have said in like 1960, this breaking coming uh, over the wires in Oppenheimer time. This they would is, have said that. Yeah, this, this coming over X. I'm I'm reading the latest X's on X, and it was this. I still haven't really digested it, but you know, the former president of the United States has now been indicted three times, twice by Jack Smith, once by the state of New York, and we are still waiting on the state of Georgia to indict as well. The state of Georgia, I think there's going to be some overlap to what this particular indictment was about, which was the conspiracy to overturn the election, which ultimately led up to January 6th. What we are calling election shenanigans. Shenanigans, yes. And I don't think there was anything particularly new. I think we knew all this and we've known it for a long time. So... I'm not sure why this indictment didn't come earlier. I guess the investigation didn't really start. 
Once again, like everything with Trump, it's shocking but not surprising. Interesting. I yeah. So when I, I when I heard about the indictment, naturally my thoughts turned to predict it. I went, John, to look at the 2024 GOP presidential nominee market. Sure enough, true Huge to form. Swing. What's that? Huge swing. Oh, yeah. The bottom fell out. His, 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 he went from 60 cents to 20 cents, and I made a million dollars. No, nothing happened. He went from – you can see when the indictment was announced if you go to look at the market and you look at the, at the bar, the bar graph portion, which obviously represents trading volume. He went up by a penny to 60 cents, yes, when the indictment was dropped. I assume that's diehards hoping to ride a wave and support their president. Just like with the more indictments that he suffers, the stronger his Republican base support gets. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis stuck at 17 cents. We've got my man Vivek Ramaswamy coming up right behind him now at 16 cents. (laughs) My man, Tim Scott, I got 400 shares in this doofus. He's wallowing at nine cents. Why can't Tim Scott get his act together and get some of this heat? How did Vivek Ramaswamy just totally leapfrog Tim Scott? He's got the juice. He's got the juice, huh? Yeah, the cocaine, man. Vivek Ramaswamy, if he is not on cocaine. Does he give you cocaine city energy? Oh my God. Listen to this guy. He is completely on cocaine. Oh, okay. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he, 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 he he's crazy. But they love him. They love him. So he'll probably be president at some point. Meanwhile, when we take a when we take a look at predicted as a whole, even though the appellate court rejected the CFTC's decision to halt trading on predicted with their no, removal of the no action letter, not to halt trading, but to prevent new markets from being opened, we thought as of last week a bunch of new markets would appear on predicted, but we're down to the same ten markets that we've been that we've been languishing with for months now. What, when is Predicted going to come out? I need my Tim Scott markets. I need my Word markets. It makes me think, and I just had this thought, that Predicted might really believe they can survive at this point. And instead of just throwing all caution to the wind and being like, let's just you know, squeeze the last little bit of blood out of this stone. Is that something that happens? Uh, because we're going down in flames. Anyhow, maybe they believe... If we play our cards right, we're doing everything right. And if we don't, you know, stick a finger in the eye of the CFTC, even though we potentially could at this point, that they're going to get out of this alive. I don't know. So you think they're not going ham with new markets because they th- because that that's actually a sign of confidence? Maybe. Ironically? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Do I have that backwards? Do I have that wrong? Do you see what I'm trying to say? I think I see what you're trying to say. You're kind of like Oppenheimer telling me that light is both a particle and a wave, right? Right. One thing I wish they had done in Oppenheimer was exp- – I mean, I'm sorry to get back on this, but I wish they – this is going to sound kind of crazy. I wish they had just done a better job explaining the physics. Like Maybe I'm not smart enough to have caught everything the first time, but I kind of like there's all these scenes where Oppenheimer is lying in bed and, and, you know, as he's studying physics at some foreign university. And and then they in his mind, he's seeing these images of particles and waves and and who knows what neutrons and and carbons and calories. Who knows what he's looking at? And and it's just so. Yeah. And and, um, 
quark. Yeah, exactly. All that kind of stuff, because this movie takes place as quantum physics was coming into its own. And that's what the whole movie is about. Like, this stuff is crazy. Well, who can be smart enough to understand this? I can. Who are you? I'm Oppenheimer. Is that how he spoke? He's looking at all this stuff in his mind. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is like, what is this supposed to represent? I don't understand physics. Like, what is this just supposed to be pretty abstract symbols? Urgh. Anyway. <sighs> what if I saw it in IMAX? Well, that's what I was wondering. Should I have seen this in IMAX? And it's like, who cares? It's 90% of this movie is guys in old timey suits talking to each other uh, in classrooms. Okay. All right. I truly don't understand the insistence of you've got to see it in IMAX. You've got to see it in IMAX. Why? So for 30 seconds, I can look at a nuclear explosion that I've seen a hundred times in other movies. Like, right. I just didn't understand that insistence right. about it. Dunkirk in IMAX. I saw Dunkirk in IMAX. It yeah. was fucking awesome. I bet. It was really good. Yeah. Um, but that involves like planes flying overhead and, you know, there's all this aerial combat and then you've got the boats and the ships strafing, and these grand spectacles. The people walking yeah, into strafing. the ocean. God, you do yeah. not. I'll tell you, that's one thing you don't want to have happen to you. What gets strafed in you the do ocean? Not want to get stra- you don't want to get strafed anywhere. I know that it's true. When the strafing starts, yeah, then you're gaining. Yeah, um, there were some wide vistas of the New Mexico desert, but you know, mm-hmm. not to brag, but I had literally just driven through the New Mexico desert, so that those images didn't hold the uh, they didn't hold the magic that they would have otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Maybe right. if I'd been trapped in a city for a couple of years without having dri- just literally just driven through there like the day before. Right. And seeing all the signs about people trying to get compensated for the the damage they suffered as unwitting guinea pigs and the fallout from those tests. Like, yeah, there's it's a big thing. The Oppenheimer, the Oppenheimer release driving through New Mexico as Oppenheimer was like the new, you know, Oppenheimer and Barbie or as they're calling it Oppen Barbie. Um, no. it was interesting because it's very much on people's minds there. And I think there's activists who are trying to use the success of this movie to be like, how about some, so, but there are literal signs. My- so, I mean, I know that I'm reading articles and, and, and hearing about, yeah, it, it says on- like there's, yeah, like billboards, they bought billboards, like we bought billboards that say, join the, join our class action lawsuit so, or like Google, blah, 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 or research this, or we demand this. I Google can't remember the LA language. Sheriff's Department. <laughs> Gangs yeah. plus Oppenheimer. It says, it says, it says, Oppenheimer, you have no chance. You know why. <laughs> okay. I saw that billboard a few times yeah, in New Mexico. That's normal. Let's turn our attention from one tortured male genius, Oppenheimer, to another, Donald J. Trump. This um, indictment has not moved the market on predicted. Jack Smith. The special prosecutor who incidentally, whoever is cast to play Jack Smith in the movie about this whole kerfuffle could also ironically play Hunter Biden and Aaron Rodgers in the same movie. I, I think Hunter Biden is is much more attractive than Jack Smith. They have the same vibe, though, don't you think? Uh, Which one? Let me ask no. you a question between Hunter Biden and Jack Smith. Which one is more of a fuck up? <laughs> uh. I mean, I, yeah. two guys. Have there ever been two guys? Here's a serious question: Have there ever been two guys in the political scene, yeah, who look as similar as they do, but whose narratives are as diametrically opposed as <laughs> right. the two of them? Like Jackson's, like 
he was like a triathlete or a decathlete and he's like prosecuting war criminals at the Hague and he's this upstanding yeah. guy and he's got five o'clock shadow and the steely eyes. He's great looking. I mean, he's very, he's not, I don't think he's as good looking as Hunter Biden cl- classically, but he is a sexy guy. He's 54. He, lo- he looks younger than that to me. Well, he's fit. Yeah. yeah. How old is Hunter Biden? He's probably like 22 looking all haggard. He just did a lot of drugs, you know? He's, yeah, I don't know how. And really, I think it's the drinking. I bet he's a heavy drinker. The drinking is what kills you. The drinking, that's just rough. That puts a lot of miles on you. You think? Yeah. Uh, Hunter Biden in 1970. So he's 53. Yeah, they're the same. I'm telling you, they're the same guy. They could be played by the same actor. And that actor is Aaron Rodgers. Those three dudes, because I saw, I was sitting at a restaurant. <laughs> eating food, and they had a footage of Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, why is Hunter Biden playing football? And then I realized it was, you know, it wasn't Hunter Biden. And then it got me thinking, like, these dudes all look the same. What is this type? Mm-hmm. I think it's a new type of guy. I think there, I think there's a new guy archetype out there. I don't have anything to add to that, but I, I did okay. see this. I, I saw I saw this in the in the in the in the document before the show started. And I thought my theory, my hot take. I did. I saw and I thought. Well, this will be interesting. What was it? Yes, it was. It was six out of ten. It was like a, it was like Oppenheimer. No, I thought it was good. I, I disagree. Six out of ten is good. I disagree that they look anything alike. Oh, maybe I. Ha- well, uh, truth be told, I haven't looked at any of them in quite some time. I'll re I'll reexamine um, my theory by looking at all three. Of I them think with you, point. a lot of times your first take is not the correct take, and. I'll give you credit for this that sometimes you that you will come around later on. So I think if you change your mind on this, uh, you 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 will probably come around. Is there anything else that you may have changed your mind on? As as far well, as that's a your... great setup. That's a great segue because yes, as a matter of fact, John, there is. I want to. I have a bone to pick with election profit makers because when I was visiting my brother and his family in Illinois as part of my road trip, my brother suggested that we watch Ghosts of the Abyss. Do you know what that is? No. That is a 2003 documentary made by the craziest man on earth, the Oppenheimer of our time, James Cameron, director of Terminator and Avatar. And I would describe him as a Titanic enthusiast. He made this documentary. It came out in 2003. It was released, I think, in IMAX 3D, speaking of movie spectacles, where he goes down to look at the Titanic for the hundredth time and take all these photos and footages of it or whatever. My brother's like, you're so into going down and looking at the Titanic. Let's watch this documentary. We watched this on the biggest TV I've ever seen. My brother has this TV in his basement that's like a 70-inch. I could not believe it. Anyway. Your brother has a basement? Yeah, man. And an attic. It's crazy. Wow. It's crazy what you can get away with in Illinois. It's crazy. And a porch. Oh, and a back porch. Oh, and a yard and a freestanding garage. I'm telling you. It's just like everywhere I turn. He has a car, too? He's got two cars. Good Lord. So we watched this documentary, my brother, me, and my nephew about the Titanic and him going down to look at the Titanic and bringing his little robots that have cameras attached to them. And they're trying to like look at all this stuff in the Titanic. Now, this movie I wish I had seen. I wish I had known about the Titanic back in 2003 when this movie came out. I would have been so amped to go see this in 3D. I bet it was incredible. And the reviews at the time were like, this is footage is amazing. No one's ever seen the Titanic look like this before. Wait a minute. So this movie, this movie Into the Abyss or whatever it is actually played in theaters? Yeah, it was a theatrical release. It was called Ghosts of the Abyss. It came out in 2003. I think I have watched this. Is this where they're, they're like doing their little Alvin? I don't know if it's Alvin. Alvin's the one that's at like Woods Hole. It's owned by the 
they have two little robots and one of them gets stuck and the other one yeah. goes and saves it. And yeah. He's just, and he's just like banging. They're like kind of destroying the Titanic as they're, try, as they're trying to get yeah, it out. Yeah, they kind of fucked up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They were like, going a little ham on the Titanic <laughs> yeah, trying to yeah, save yeah. their dumb robot. Yeah. And all and they're down there on 9-11. There's also the famous scene when they come right, out right, and they're right. like, a uh, plane crashed into what? And they're like, yeah, there was a terror attack while you guys were down there fucking around with this Titanic. And then there's all these like tortured analogies like, well, it really makes you think about the parallels between 9-11. And know, oh, really? I okay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think terrorists took over the controls of the Titanic and smashed it into an iceberg <laughs> to make a point about America's complicity in foreign policy. But anyway, <laughs> so we watched this Titanic movie. And then they have they, they have this footage of them in their little in their little submersible looking and they're, they're submersible as we've discussed before look twenty times better and more legit than um, Stockton Rush's cheap ass Pepsi can. And and you, I I want to say this I think it's not fair to compare being left alone on the moon with going down to look at the Titanic. It's not really a fair comparison because you made the comparison. Although the ti- I know, but although the Titanic, I think at this point, is more awesome than the moon. On the moon, you just get to walk around in a little suit. But to look at the Titanic, you have to be stuck in this little submersible. So it's not really a fair comparison of the actual experience of it. So what I propose is I have a twist that makes it more equitable. Your choices now, listeners, are would you rather go to the moon and be stuck in a submersible looking out through a little rinky-dinky window on the, at the moon's surface or do the same thing in the Titanic? Or, and here's the flip side, would you rather be left alone on the moon in a suit, obviously an astronaut suit that keeps you safe, or go down to look at the Titanic in a suit, an astronaut suit that keeps you safe? And in this scenario, you are free to explore the Titanic the way you are free to explore the moon. Now, I think a lot of people who were saying the moon was the correct answer, they might be reconsidering their choice because I think for a lot of those people, the reason they were hesitant to choose the Titanic is because it looks like the lived experience of visiting the Titanic is so constrained and unpleasant. But now that we have developed our super Titanic astronaut suit that lets you swim through the Titanic the way an astronaut can walk across the moon... Now I think I'm going to be getting some emails that tell me that I'm a genius. So let's just leave it at that. That's also actually a direct quote from the movie Oppenheimer. After the bomb goes off, he says, now I think I'm going to get some emails telling me I'm a genius. Um, Oh, before we move on to listener questions, John, let's just make an announcement that the New York Times ran a huge article about Trisha Cotham, the turncoat, formerly Democratic uh, rep in in North Carolina. It was good. It was good North Carolina media coverage. It was. And it, I, I think it was not. I think the only thing new in the in the article was that there were some things going on beforehand between Republicans that were encouraging her to run and that the Democrats were not aware that she was having some some issues with the party. She so. seems truly like a useful idiot who was played like a fiddle. So you're not you're not of one of these people are like she got paid. She got paid or she was in love with Tim Moore. She just No, they mentioned the Tim Moore theory that we discussed when he was vying for erotic bad boy of the week. 
that they had had an affair. They both deny that. I just think she was, she is, she's seen, I mean, well, there's another theory going around out there, which the article mentions is she had a pretty bad case of COVID. Yeah, months. And that might have fucked her brain up because this was all after her COVID experience. But I have a feeling that, you know, like Putin did with Trump, she's she seems like an incredibly thin-skinned, sensitive narcissist who can't stand it when she's not the center of attention and, and acutely feels the slightest betrayal takes it very personally Mm -hmm. or sees things that are not betrayals as betrayals. Right. Right. And I think the Republicans recognize that and they're like, we can, we can use this idiot. She could be quite useful. She could be a useful idiot. That's my, I think it's just that. All right. The article for those of you who haven't read it is a New York times article inside the party switch that blew up North Carolina politics. Hey, Shane writes in. He said, we recently took our son on a college visit to Oberlin College. Everyone was very nice. The campus was lovely and the town was charming. On the other hand, there was kind of a hippie, drippy, do your own thing vibe that left us all a little uncertain. The upshot is that we're not sure what we thought of the place. As an alum, could you take a few minutes, David, to talk about your Oberlin experience? We'd love to add an informed opinion to our decision-making process and to hear stories about what it's like to matriculate there. David, did you go to Oberlin? You're talking about one of the most prestigious liberal arts colleges in Ohio with a strong progressive tradition and a proud story of uh, political integrity. Oberlin also has a world-class conservatory. Yeah, I might have gone to Oberlin. Yeah, I might have graduated from Oberlin, and I might have a diploma from Oberlin that hangs over my bed. Really? Along with the sign that says, Abandon Hope, all ye who enter here. No, I don't. I don't. Who I'm else sure my Oberlin. Oberlin. Well, TV's Ed Helms and TV's um, Lena Dunham and um, music's uh, Liz Fair. And I think one of the people from the yeah, yeah, yes, although I don't think they graduated. And um, oh, there's, there's one other person I know there is. I can't think of who it is. Fuck. I think a Pulitzer Prize winner. Really? So how about that? That's yeah, pretty I think a Pulitzer Prize winner went to Oberlin. Yeah. Okay. I was just in Oberlin. This is why I wanted to talk about Shane's email. That was part of my road trip. I went back to my alma mater. And I had brought a bike with me on my cross-country road trip because I had this fantasy about arriving at Oberlin in the evening and getting out and taking my bike out of the back of the car and biking around Oberlin, just like I did low those 30 years ago when I was a student at Oberlin. And the experience was absolutely magical. It was terrific. This time? Yeah, it was great. Biking on these old streets, seeing how things had changed over the decades. You're like, you can't fake that stuff. It's amazing. Ohio, totally beautiful. The golden hour. It was awesome. It was like I was Terrence Malick or something. Had it changed? Yeah, the Sarge's Records, Sarge's Records is gone. The old record store is gone. The hotel that I stayed in used to be called the Oberlin Inn, and that's where that was my first post college job. I was waited tables there. Uh, now it's called the Hotel at Oberlin. You know when they say like, you know when something goes from being like the Smithtown Hotel to the Hotel at Smithtown. It's such like it's going to be like all pretentious. It was a little pretentious, but. It was, it was kind of fun to see how it had changed. 
And um, Rax is gone. Rax was this great fast food franchise, and they had this like incredible like nacho bar or something. It's just like the Wendy's Super Bar. They had something like that, but that's long gone. They built some building. Anyway, what does guy Shane want to know? What he's saying the kids are too free or too hippy dippy? Was this Ben Shapiro writing in? Yeah, a kind of a hippie, drippy, do your own thing vibe that left them a little uncertain. Not sure they want their kid to be partaking in a do your own thing. Shane's like, well, you can go there and you can study poetry, but I won't be paying for your college education in that case. And I hope you understand. Right. You need to study neoliberalism. <laughs> Shane, you have to let your kid do whatever they want. Their happiness is number one. And if they make a mistake and you sink a quarter million dollars into the wrong college, it's a learning experience. Okay. Your kid must go to Oberlin. I command it. Because I was just there and I thought it was very pleasant indeed. Although I will say, without naming names, the restaurant where I had dinner, which used to be 30 years ago, one of the only fancy restaurants in town, and I thought would still be a good fancy restaurant, that restaurant sucked. It was not good. It was like Applebee's level. Hmm. And I was looking around like, where are the fancy restaurants? It snows a lot in Oberlin, right? does snow a lot in Oberlin. Windy too, I bet. Yeah, although I don't remember that being a big part of my college experience. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Shane, your kid has to go to Oberlin. The end. We got a letter from Josh. The discussion on the volume of earthquakes made me think about the eruption of Krakatoa in 1883. It is described, estimated as, quote, the loudest sound in the history of the world at an estimated 310 decibels, louder than the atomic bomb. It was heard 3,000 miles away and was so loud that it ruptured the eardrums of sailors 40 miles away. That's so fucked up. Yeah. The shock waves from the sound affected the climate and air pressure around the world. I also have a video I took of a gray catbird in Fire Island off of Long Island, New York. A few years ago, I took a three-week vacation while I was between jobs. Okay, every- okay. All right, okay, enough. All right, all right, Josh, all right, with all right. respect, you can't follow up Krakatoa with some bird on Fire Island, all right? We appreciate you sending that video, but we really want to focus on this damn volcano. Yeah, it sounds pretty pretty, pretty loud. That's loud. The sound waves, apparently, they, they went around the earth like a bunch of different times. But, but speaking to the conversation that we were having before we started recording, because decibels, they're logarithmic, right? So 310 decibels doesn't sound that – doesn't seem to be that much louder than like 200 de- – well, I guess it is much louder. I think, I think it would ki- – that, w- that sound would kill you. Um, and I'm here for it. Yeah. I want a t-shirt that says, the sound from Krakatoa would kill you dot, 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 and I'm here for it. What a volcano that must have been. I mean, blowing out eardrums 40 miles away – it probably didn't even register as a sound. Do you know what I mean? It was so beyond what you were, what you would be used to as something you'd be like, oh, that's a loud sound. It probably is like um, you probably thought you had a medical thing, right? Just like a concussion, right? Like your brain exploded. You wouldn't you would ass- you wouldn't assume that something in the environment had produced a noise, and that's what you were hearing. You would think the devil's in my brain all of a sudden, or a witch has cursed me with her little wooden stick or something. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? I, oh, I understand. Yeah. Krakatoa is absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I would love to have a volcano expert come on and and paint us a picture of what it was like with Krakatoa, because then it also just it fucked up the whole planet for a while, right? Mm-hmm. God damn this planet. Speaking of fucking up the planet, this this uh, 
volcano that erupted last January, which I can't think of the name of it, the one that was the underwater volcano. Many are starting to believe that is why we are having these off-the-chart temperatures this year, because so much water vapor was blasted into the atmosphere that this warming that we're seeing, yes, of course, warming in general is because of the process of man-made global warming, but this particular spike that's just so off the charts this year. You're telling me this is because of some underwater volcano? Yes. Yeah. There there, there are discussions about it. uh, Well, that's a huge relief and I really want that to be true. It's not a huge relief because it's just it's just a precursor of what's to come. It's just sort of giving us an idea of yeah, where we Yeah, but this summer be. has been so out of like I would love for that to be true because the alternative is that is what we all know intellectually which is oh, this is actually all happening much more quickly and catastrophically right. than we thought. And and maybe it is. And maybe it is, but there. Oh they, come on, it's underwater volcano! It, please it, let it be the underwater volcano. But NASA said initially when it happened, they said yes, we do think that there's a possibility that we could see some some warming because of this, because a water vapor does act as a greenhouse effect. But they did not believe that they would they would see anything like this. I'm praying that it's the underwater volcano. Come on, underwater volcano! Don't let me down, underwater volcano. John, we got an email from Amy. I'm so happy to have a place to share the wild sounds of cokey frogs. Is that how you pronounce that? C-O-Q-U-I. Apologies if that's not the correct pronunciation. I recorded this on a rainy July evening near Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. They're an invasive species and sound like little aliens. All right, Amy, we're going to listen to your recording of invasive frogs in Hawaii. Thank you. And we're back. John, what does Cam have to say? Cam says, please enjoy this late night field recording of frogs in my Texas backyard from a hot summer's evening in August of 2019. This is four years old, this recording that Cam is sending in. Cam, let's listen to your recording of frogs. And we're back. The frog wars are only getting hotter. Jacqueline writes in, Hi, John and David. I've lived in some very loud places. Bustling areas of New York and San Francisco, on the edge of a loud, crashy shore in Washington. Funnily, it was next to the quietest spot in the continental U.S., the Ho Rainforest. But I now live in the Ozark Mountains and truthfully cannot go into my yard (laughs) in the early evenings without earplugs. What? Human noise doesn't take up much space here. Cicadas and tree frogs are the culprits. The sound is mind-altering, which is hard to capture in a voice memo recording, but I tried. Listening with the volume all the way up gets you close. It's painful, but beautiful. And I miss the noise when I'm not here. Thanks for all y'all do. This is from Jacqueline in Fayetteville, Arkansas. 
Jacqueline, let's listen to your recording. And we're back. Have you ever been to the Ozarks? I would love to. I've never been to Northwest. I just drove through it last week. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Arkansas. I think Arkansas is underrated. I didn't drive through the, I I was in the Missouri Ozarks, not the Arkansas Ozarks. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, this whole country is so freaking beautiful. It's so, it's so, first of all, it's so big. Yeah. They made this country too big. It's it is so big. big. You drive for miles and miles and miles, and it's so fucking flat, and there's nothing out there. Nothing. And there were stretches where I was in the desert on a road, and I was the only car on the road. And there's nothing to look at except fucking brush and little, like, mesas and stuff. It's crazy. There's so much room here. We could fit everybody in the world. Everyone in the world could have a man. I wonder if that's actually true. Could everyone in the world have a mansion in America, in the continental U.S.? Maybe not. No, I'm certain. I'm certain they could. I I feel like I've seen that you could fit every person in the world in New York City if they're all standing. Well, then you can definitely fit them in America because America was looking huge as fuck. So my third time driving across the country. It's never looked bigger to me. I think it's expanding like the universe. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we could could tighten it up a bit, honestly. I know. It's 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 too much. And then you and then like every day you're in a new like ecosystem with new types of beauty and majesty. It's like I'm telling you, man, they should make a song about how beautiful America is. They should call it America. That's beautiful. That's what they, mm-hmm. <laughs> that should be the name of the song. Yeah. It's so incredible. It's so it's so big and huge and and awesome. Yeah. Anyway, it really is. America's number one. You yep. heard it here first. Yeah. Chris writes in, I got inspired to do some field recordings of Niagara Falls after last week's episode. I took some decibel measurements using an app called Eros. It came with some professional ear protection I bought for playing music on stage. I've also used it at work to measure the volume of several machines we have at the brewery. I've got some hearing loss in my right ear. I took some measurements at several places, he writes, along the river to the falls at the edge of both waterfalls, one on each side of the American Falls and one at the edge of the Horseshoe Falls. 83 decibels on the east side of the American side is what he recorded. 93 decibels on the west side. This is an unsafe level without ear protection. It was also measuring 93 decibels on the New York side of the Horseshoe Falls, which is the bigger of the two falls. I knew waterfalls would be loud. I knew it. Yeah, that is loud. That's not, that's, that is, yeah, that's about what the the Trevor Noah show was was measuring. He's known as the Niagara Falls of political commentary. So he made the recordings on a Tascom handheld recorder. They might be in stereo, he says. He doesn't know. I didn't have time to go down to the bottom of the falls this particular day. It is certainly louder down there. If you guys are interested, I can easily make time to do it soon. I only live 20 minutes away. All recordings were made within five to eight yards of the waterfalls. Chris, thank you for sending multiple recordings of Niagara Falls. We're going to listen to one in just a moment, but I would say absolutely you should get down to the bottom and do another recording and measure the decibels. Right, John? Mm Mm-hmm. 
We've got to hear what the bottom of those falls sound like. Anyway, here's Chris's recording of the Niagara Falls. And we're back. I have one final dispatch I wanted to share from my road trip. We're all obsessed with pizzas and uh, and um, the owners of various pizza parlors and their and their passions and interests. I had a delightful experience in the tiny tiny town, population three hundred eighty two, Chloride, Arizona, which is an old mining town, and there's still a lot of mining going on there. And I stayed there. And by the time I arrived at 6 p.m., the hotel owner said they had shut down their restaurant for the evening and that if I wanted some food, I should go down to the pizza parlor on the highway. I went down to Fat Tony's Pizza, my friends, and I met the two owners. They have only been open for a month. The pizza parlor had been locked up and shuttered for 10 years when the previous owner's wife had passed away unexpectedly. This pizza parlor sat idle for a decade with brand new equipment. And now two entrepreneurs, two gentlemen from the state of Florida have made their way to Arizona to run this pizza parlor, having no experience about pizza or pizza parlors. And they are already putting Chloride Arizona on the map when it comes to pizza. Their names are Barry and Al, and we had a delightful time eating pizza and discussing Florida and how they made their way from Florida to Arizona. And John, relevant to the issue, relevant to the interests of our listeners, They talked about their rival pizza parlor, which is on the other side of town, which is called Great America Pizza and Subs. Now, does that name mean anything to you? No. Great America Pizza and Subs. This is an explicitly pro-Trump pizza parlor. This guy is a pizza mogul who clears over a million – now, this is all secondhand – clears over a million dollars a year. Donald Trump has visited more than once, and he often caters state, that is Arizona state GOP functions, because his pizza parlor is emblazoned with pro-Trump MAGA propaganda. The pizza boxes say, impeach the fake media and Trump won. So it's like that type of pizza parlor. Meanwhile, my guys, Barry and Al, are sitting out here at Fat Tony's Pizza trying to learn about how to make pizza. And they're like, yeah, we're going to take this guy on. Now, I'm not saying Barry and Al are like left wingers. I do not. I do not think they're Biden voters based on our Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. But I will say if, if I had to pick a horse in this race in the Arizona desert as to who will who will dominate the pizza landscape of Arizona, you know, I'm going with Fat Tony's Pizza over great america pizza and subs and when i drove as i was leaving town and i drove by great america pizza and subs the it's it, it has like a huge like it has a fucking shipping container out front that just says trump on it it's like a it's really sycophantic and it has a guy like he it has a it has a huge picture of a stick figure butt fucking the word china which is written in that kind of like quote-unquote oriental Chinese restaurant font. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's really like, it's a pizza parlor. So shout out to Fat Tony's Pizza in Chloride, Arizona. That's the pizza scene report. That's what's going on. I'm going to read the credits. Fuck it. Let's do it. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. And if you sign up for Patreon, you'll receive some wonderful EPM stickers in the mail. 
I'm sending out all the stickers this week. I got really backed up because I haven't been home for a month. But if you've if you if you're a new Patreon or if you've asked for stickers, they're going to go out this week. You can send your election prediction questions and bird recordings to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Have a great day. Yes. Goodbye.